You're listening to Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast where we spotlight women who've gone from managing to mastering life's challenges and the badass practitioners that are changing the way we heal. I'm Dr. Sabrina Nicole, psychologist, coach, author, and speaker. But more importantly, I'm a woman who had my own journey to mastering chronic pain. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Fuck that. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited you're joining me today. Today's episode is all about finding freedom through self-love. And my guest today is Helena Smullock. Helena is amazing. She's been in the fitness industry for over 40 years. She's assisted clients from all walks of life. This includes corporate cultures and individuals. Over the span of her career, she became certified as a Reiki master, a hands-on healing modality based upon the Japanese healing art. This type of healing was no stranger to Helena as she witnessed growing up her grandfather of Lebanese descent practiced the very same technique, which was widely accepted and respected within the community. Today, Helena stepped back from practicing Reiki and has embraced Christ as a means to heal others through prayer. Through faith and love, Helena believes we can heal and help one another. Welcome to the show, Helena. Thank you, Sabrina. It is a pleasure to to finally meet you and to be on your show. Thank you for having me as a guest. So I want to hear all about this journey of yours. So 40 years in the fitness industry is a long time. Yes. And it's interesting because I was on another show where I was asked, how did you survive 40 years in an industry that's so, it, it fluctuates consistently? And the bottom line to this is, establishing trust with your clients, establishing a very strong brand, and having the patience to continue to adapt to those cyclical changes that happen in the industry. You know, it's, um, and of course, being female, right? (laughs) And and, in the male-dominated industry, and and it's now changing. I'm seeing a lot of um, females coming out and, and really taking charge of their businesses and, and flourishing. It's wonderful to, to witness that. I'm sure your business had a big shift during COVID too, because no one was in person for anything. So how was oh. that? <laughs> well, if you want me to delve into that journey, I will gladly share that. I actually moved from Canada from British Columbia, Canada, in 2019, uh, into Blaine, Washington, to be with my husband, who is American. We call each other the American and the the Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) So in 2019, I I packed up my studio and moved to Washington State and never thought ever that the world would shut down like it did. So all my paperwork had gone through, my work permit got approved, my green card but when I got my work permit, I still couldn't do anything. I mean, everything was shut down in 2020. So I thought, my goodness, wow, what am I going to do now? And so I thought, you know what? I will register Velocity here in the US and did all the necessary legalities to register the business. When as far as trademarking what you see behind me, so that's gone through as well. It's been approved. And uh, then I started to do a lot of my uh, shows, interviewing various 
you know, people to share their health and wellness journey because we were going through a period of such change that really, you know, was about our health and our wellness. And it was interesting to meet so many people across Canada and the United States. So that's what I did. You know, I, I had to rebound from thinking, okay, I can't play this. Oh my gosh, I'm going to fail, right? During times of crisis, there's always a way of recreating or reestablishing or getting out there and, and just having, you mentioned this, Sabrina, faith, bottom line. You know, I have a lot of people that know me. They know me as a very spiritual individual. And my first train, my first action is to turn to God, always. Mm. If you need to turn to God and cry and rant and rave, do it. Because trust the process. You may, it may not happen right away, but there's always divine timing. Mm. Always. We're always prepared at the right time and in the right place. So that was that was that two years of just every day I wake up, I pray to Jesus, help me, show me. Yeah. And when you have that, that's the greatest gift. Mm. You know? And where are we shifting to now? How are we shifting our consciousness, our emotions? I see that a lot of people are are separating from that. It's it's in the you know the vibes. You know I, I'm a very sensitive individual, so immediately when I meet someone, it's like, whoa, the vibes are off. There's you know, I mean, when you think about it, you're a psychologist. You take away someone's livelihood for two years mm. and tell them you can't. You can't hug each other. You can't go out. And as you're being told that, your world is actually falling apart. You've lost your job. Next, you're losing your house. You can't afford to buy food. So so the, the underlying damages were happening and people's emotions and thought patterns were shifting as well into fear, into the unknown. So for me, it always, my, my ground, I stand my ground with Christ first. And nothing, I mean nothing, will sever that tie. Mm. And I'll, you know, I'll gladly share why. I, I've been around the circle. So what has happened in, in my life is that I lost my father in 2016. I was very close to him. And, you know... He supported me in everything. He supported me in my athleticism. He always motivated me. You're a smart girl. You're you're gonna, you know, you're tough. You're, you know, and that that's good guidance, right? Especially coming from your dad and being a, a female, that's wonderful. And so the support was always there, the motivation was always there. And that's the way I lived, you know, that through that motivation, those words of wisdom as well. And the day I went to say goodbye to him, 
I saw my dad laying there, you know, mm -hmm. weak. And it was, it was like a flash of where did time go? You know, just, it felt like yesterday, he just bought me my first 10 speed bike. And now it's the time that the memories flashed right before me. And so we, we all said goodbye to him. And then I'd say three or four months later, I told my husband, I said, my dad's going to show me something in a dream. Mm -hmm. he, he was highly spiritual as well. And that's exactly what happened. You know, whether people want to think, oh, this is some story. No, it's not some story. It's a real experience. The dream was I was in the townhouse with my, my parents. And it was just the three of us. My siblings weren't with us. And next thing I know, my dad's outside in his car that he used to drive. On oh, wow. <laughs> and, and I'm standing and there, my, my dad's in the driver's seat and my mom's in the passenger seat. My mom didn't even look at me, but I looked at my dad and he rolled down his window. I said, dad, where are you, where are you going? He says, it's okay, honey. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about anything. Mm. And I said, well, can I go with you? He said, no, you can't. Mm. And drove off. So I went back into the townhouse. I went upstairs into, a, into the bedroom. I lay in the bed. And then I, I felt a presence beside me, beside the bed. And, and I opened my eyes. And three angels were standing beside the bed. And I, I just stared at mm. them. It was a sight. I mean, their skin was flawless. Mm. They were dressed in white robes with, with gold belts, like chains. And their hair was, I mean, it's speechless. I, I can't even <laughs> describe the beauty that I was staring at. And one, the one closest to the bed had the palm leaf in his hand. He smelled it and looked at me. He said, oh, this, this smells beautiful. It's for you. And he handed it to me. And I took it and I smelled it. I said, oh my gosh, it does smell beautiful. And they all had, three of them, three gold palm leaves in their hair. And I took the one that he gave me, the gold one, and I put it in my hair. And that's it. That was the dream. And I was like, when I woke up, I thought, palm leaf, Palm Sunday. Okay, I need to get baptized. So we have a, a very huge <laughs> Lebanese church in, in Ottawa. And so I went to speak with Father Gattas and Father Nectarius. And I told them exactly what I'm sharing right now. And they just stared at me. <laughs> and I thought, okay, they think I'm crazy. <laughs> so I, I looked at them. I said, is there something wrong? And they said, no, not at all. But do you understand the dream? I said, I said, yes, the, you know, the gold palm leaf I put in my hair and, you know, Palm Sunday. And they said, yes. The three, there were three of them looking at you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the truth. Mm -hmm. And I am telling you, Sabrina, as soon as they said that, I started crying. I said, dear God, was my dad sending this message of sa to be saved? Like being who I am, I started to analyze the whole thing. <laughs> and they said, more than likely, yes. And I said, I need to get baptized. They said, it's up to you. And 
that was the journey. I started going to church every Saturday as they instructed to, you know, begin the learning process. And then I came back to British Columbia. I went to church and then got baptized in 2018 by Father Michael at um, the church in, in Langley. And I tell you, the minute he poured the holy water on me, because I was immersed in water, as soon as that water was poured on me and I got up, I felt like something had left, like something mm. was gone. And this journey has been the most amazing experience, the most amazing blessing. And that's why I don't detour from it. Mm. Because this was my door, the door that opened up the most powerful message, and that is to Christ. Mm. Wow. Just your whole experience, you know, with your dad, you know, and having that, sensing that and waiting for that message to come, like you knew it was coming, because we all are connected spirits. And I think a lot of times we don't don't allow ourselves to feel that part of it, of each other, the spirit. Um, you know, yeah. we focus on the external, you know, yeah. body. Yeah, we don't turn. You know, if if people find that common peace within themselves, that's where it starts, really. You know, that peaceful feeling of, okay, I need to just balance myself, talk, you know, speak to the Lord, just ask, mm. you know, what do I do? And that's what I did. I, I had to sit here. You know, I, I'm in Blaine, Washington with my husband. I'm very happy to be here. I love it here. I love being in the U.S. But I'm going, coming into a, a whole different market with my business. It's it's huge. You know, Canada is a big country, too, but we're not as big as the United States. So <laughs> I'm, I was like, God, help me. You know, this is massive for me. Where do I start? How do I start it? please show me. Yeah. And, and the doors, yeah, the doors opened up and, you know, go here, you got to do this. You got to, and you know, when you have that connection, it works and there's nothing wrong with believing. You know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, preachers and this and that. There's a reason why they've been touched as well. You know, they're not telling you something wrong. They're telling you something that's strong and powerful to help you, you know? So I'm very careful with that because, you know, I think there's a lot of this mind shifting now with uh, various things and not that they are not valid, but when I've experienced the circle, you know, I've experienced sitting in various temples with various cultures and it's beautiful. They're all beautiful. But through that journey and the final message, you know, message from my dad, from Christ, that whole time my hand was being held by Christ and he was telling me, you're coming home to me. It's okay to learn, but you're coming to me. So tell me about the shift from Reiki, you know, to now focusing on Christ. And is there room for both? Or do you just feel a stronger pull towards? Following Christ. That's a, that's a great question. I was a very busy Reiki master. I had a lot of clients come to me. And the one thing I truly enjoyed about Reiki 
was the connection I made with my clients and how great they would feel. But on the flip side, I also experienced. So when when you think about energy, you know, I look at it as, you know, the energetic forces between people. We do, we have this aura that, you know, we connect. And so when you go into that, into someone else's aura and they're in pain Mm -hmm. and being uh, the sensitive that I am, I would experience that pain as well, like big time, you know, sometimes even physically, like in my soul, my, my stomach area, I would feel like, wow, this, this person is really struggling. And so what I decided, I stepped back because I did have an experience with, with a client and I stepped back from it and I thought, okay, God, Jesus, I need you guys to guide me with this. Do I continue doing this? Because it's in the lineage. My grandfather was, you know, the same. I mean, he was my teacher. Do I continue this? And if I do, guide me to how to send out that energy for them to heal. And the answer came was through Psalm. So I no longer touch, Mm. but I will pray. Okay. So. If people are feeling down about something or, you know, they're just feeling lost, I just say, okay. And in my time alone with Christ, I pray to Christ for them, for Christ to help the individual. And I also ask what psalm would be effective for them. And, you know, I'll close my eyes, the number will come to me, and I pick up the Bible and I read it on their behalf. And that's how I do it now. I will not go to the, have the client come to me and lay on the massage table and me, you know, going through their chakras and all that. It protects me this way. And I'm still with Christ. Christ is beside me. And when I used to do hands-on, Christ was always beside me. Always. And I say that with, with a smile because I've had people say to me, wow, I feel like there's a really bright light, white light around me right now. And I would think, Christ. And some, so many people have said to me, I feel a whole lot of love when you touch me. And I would always say, or think, it's Christ. Mm-hmm. And when you feel that love, that's powerful love. Mm. Wow. And I think that your clients, whether you touch them or not, are still feeling that. Oh, I send it. And you get to preserve your yeah. your energy too without it depleting. Yeah. So that is definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, so there were important. days I would be like after my seventh client. <laughs> I remember one night I called up my friends. I said, listen, I was invited, invited a few friends over for dinner. And uh, I called them up. I said, you know what? I am so depleted of energy right now. I need to take like a salt water bath <laughs> just to revive myself. So, yeah, it is, you know, some people say, well, you should ground yourself, you should seal yourself, you should this and this. But you know what? Some people's energy, it it could be very volatile is not the right word, just very active. You know, you just go, oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) So this way, I feel that I'm guided in a much better way. And in my eyes, in my feeling, the right way that I'm supposed to send it out to the universe. I've prayed for the world. 
you know, so many people have have felt distraught, lost, and they lost loved ones. You know, so every day during that two years, I would just, you know, Lord, get us out of this situation and bring more light and love to the world and and peace and help us reestablish ourselves because we were all affected. It doesn't Absolutely. matter. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to hear about Self-Love Elevated. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your chapter in the book. What's it all about? <laughs> that, that was all about <laughs> love. The stories are, you know, the 17 other women are amazing. Their stories, their journeys are amazing. My story was all about, you know, I grew up with a lot of love around me. I mean, our family was close. They all owned restaurants. Everybody was a business person. You know, I was not with We had everything. But there was always that cultural thing happening. You know, my, my grandparents left Lebanon just before the Civil War. And, you know, they moved to Canada, brought their children. They adapted to Canadian culture. They established themselves. They worked. They, you know, didn't cause problems. But there was always that mentality that they were still in Lebanon. (laughs) Some things don't change, right? (laughs) But being born and I was born and raised in Canada. So, you know, I'm very Canadianized, Americanized. So. There was always that, well, you can't do that. Well, why can't I do that? Because you're a girl. Uh, that doesn't make sense <laughs> in my mind, right? But in their mind, it made sense, right? The girl is supposed to stay at home. And and I was given a lot of responsibility at the age of 10 because my parents owned restaurants. So they were gone at six in the morning. Uh, luckily, our school was down the street from where we lived. So we... My sisters and I would uh, get up and get ourselves ready and walk to school. But it was after school, you know, my parents were still at their restaurant and I would be the one to get us all back home. And then my mom would call me, this is how you make hummus or whatever, right? (laughs) And there I was preparing our dinner and stuff. And, you know, when I reflect on that, it has shaped me into the woman I am today. So the my chapter is all about that, as well as how love dis- disappointed me. You know, my f- first marriage was everybody would give me these signs, and and this is great that we're talking about this because there were three incidents where three different individuals told me no. You know, first first individual obviously my dad, and then on my wedding day. Heading to the ceremony, which was outside, at a stoplight, some stranger next to the car that we were in rolls down his window, asks me to roll down my window, and he says, no, don't do it. And I'm just like, and then my dad said it. And then the, and then the groom's best friend who was driving me to the ceremony said, I can turn the car back right now. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, really? Wow. <laughs> this is- yeah. So it wasn't until maybe about a year ago, I was telling the story to a friend of mine. And he says, my dear Helena, do you understand that God was talking to you back then? And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, there's, there's three your three. three. There's the three. He says, the three. I said, oh my gosh, I didn't even. Think. 
So, you know, I talked about, I, I wrote about that. And then after the divorce, I decided to hop on a Greyhound bus. I left the coop. How dare I do that? All the girls got married and they have their kids. And you were on a Greyhound bus. And, and here I was going through a divorce and got, you know, got my family together. And I sat down with them and I told them, you know, I love, love you all. And I took care of all of you. And I'm now going to British Columbia, Canada. My ex is moving back into the house, which I got. And I am going to hop on the Greyhound. I'm going to British Columbia. You're all more than welcome to come and visit me and call me and, and all that. But that's what I'm doing. And I tell you, they were all staring at me. Why are you leaving? I said, well, because I need to do something for me. And so July 3rd, 1993, 94, sorry, I got on that Greyhound, traveled across Canada. I tell you, <laughs> I was like this little girl in a candy shop. I was, wow, look at this province. And, you know, as soon as we hit Alberta, I started to cry. Mm -hmm. The mountains. I thought, this is Canada? Wow. <laughs> you know, and Aww. I. I, I cried because I felt God. And this guy was beside me on the Greyhound and he's like looking at me. He said, are you okay? I said, don't you feel God? Look at these mountains. And he's like, okay. <laughs> she must be tired. <laughs> but I finally made it to BC and I had a friend that picked me up from Coquitlam and it has been so rewarding. You know, when I think back, I think about my grandmother on my mother's side. She, now imagine this, in, in Lebanon, you know, her husband, her first husband hit her. Mm. She took my aunt, packed up their clothes and left. Back in those days, ooh, you don't do that. So I grew up with grandma telling me, you never let a man hit you. You, ne you always make sure he respects you. You don't let him hit the children. And so when I think about my journey, I think my sito, sito means grandmother in Lebanese. I said, wow, she's really influenced me. And she would be so, proud. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. Be, yes. You know, she remembered sure the lesson. <laughs> she, you know, she was a very, very, she never worked in her life because, you know, my grandfather <laughs> owned restaurants. So. You know, we always went to visit them. And, you know, she would sit us in a circle and tell us her stories. And and I, I really reflected on that. And I thought, that was my strength right there. You know, beautiful woman, very strong. And she met my grandfather and they had seven beautiful kids. And, and that was her story. So I don't regret what I did. Does my family speak to me? No. But that's okay because I pray for them. I ask Jesus to, you know, send them the light, send them the love, send them the peace. It's okay. You know, I, I don't regret it, but I send them my love because I do love them. And, you know, Sabrina, that's the key. The key is if someone's done you wrong or they're angry at you or for whatever the, the circumstances are. I have learned through this journey now with through Christ is that the most powerful thing you can do is to forgive. Mm. 
you got to let go of that anger, let go of that, you know, if someone's done you wrong, you know, how sometimes people can get that angry, I'm going to do this, I'm going to say this. Don't ever think that what you say does not hit the other person. It'll hit them emotionally, it'll hit them mentally, and for some physically, right? So in my way of thinking and feeling towards my family is that I forgive them and I love them. And I let Christ deal with it. Let it go and put it in the hands of Christ. And he transforms things when the time is right, when we're all ready. So, you know, that's that's the journey. That's what my chapter is about, is taking, letting go. And for my journey, it was, I want to get out of this box, this box of thinking a certain way, feeling a certain way. I thought, how am I going to grow if I live in it, in this box? And so here we are today. Yes. I'm with an amazing man in Blaine, Washington, speaking with you about the journey. It's it's beautiful. And women need to know that they are powerful. You can do whatever you want to do and do it with faith. You know, don't be scared. You know, I I could have been scared that day hopping on the Greyhound. I don't I didn't know anybody in British Columbia except for one person. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like got on the bus but I felt this urge of yay, I'm yay, I'm going on the bus. I'm going to see Canada and I got to BC and you know what? Everything flourished in BC as well. Mm. You know, I wrote for Dr. Mosher who's a, a plastic surgeon in British Columbia. So that that was, you know, an opportunity that presented itself. You know, it, my career grew. It, it grew when I first started in the industry at the age of 16 in Ottawa. And when I moved to British Columbia, it grew as well. So everything has been a blessing. And there's no regret. I discovered who I am. I'm, I'm proud to be who I am. I'm proud to be where I came from. Great family. And I'm proud of what I've accomplished through the, the journey as a woman. Wow, what a beautiful journey. Thank you for sharing about how courageous it is to get on a bus knowing you you only know one person in that new country (laughs) and willing to take that chance, you know, and walk away from everything that you know and step into the unknown. Uh, Yeah, Uh, especially in a province where everything's very expensive. You know, I was shocked because my house only, you know, when I bought my first house, it was (laughs) $99,000. Go to British Columbia, a little condo is 250000 I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, I, I thought, okay, hey, well, you, you know, here I am. I'm going to get work. And I did. I worked with the Royal Bank, the balancing department, part-time, because I went to the Vancouver Film School full-time to study acting. I guess I wanted my creative side to get unleashed. But I just did everything and never asked for anything to get to where I am. I didn't call dad, dad, I need money. You know, I didn't do that. I said, no, I'm going to be stubborn. I'm going to do this myself. (laughs) That's the journey. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your story for the listeners. How can they, how can they connect with you? Are you on social media? Yes, I'm on Instagram. My uh, address is at velocity rocks. I'm on LinkedIn. 
I have my YouTube channel, which is Velocity Athletic Training Radio. And my website is under construction right now. We're redesigning that. And my email is iwin at velocityathletictraining.com. Okay, great. So all those links will be in the bio. Once again, thank you, Helena, for sharing your story. Thank you. I appreciate you you so so much. Thank you. And for the listeners, please connect with us on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for tuning into Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast. Be sure to check out the show's notes for this episode on www.drsabrinanicole.com and follow us on social media. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next week with more. See you then.